Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, I'm excited about this morning. How many of you are excited about God's Word? Amen. Well, we are in part three of a series that we're simply calling Breakthrough, Live by Faith, Advance with Grace. In this series, uh, we're working on and looking at what it means to deal with the inside of who we are so that the outside truly represents who God would have us to be. How many know that's vitally important? For too many years, too often, what has the church done? We've gussied up the outside. We've showered, we've cleaned up, we looked the role, we looked the part, but on the inside, we're filthy. We're whitewashed tombs, as Jesus called the Pharisees. So we're looking at the book of Romans, we're looking at what Paul is saying to the church of Rome, of what it means for us to make the adjustment on the inside so that we can be who God would have us to be. I would encourage you to read along with us. Any of you doing that? Any of you read along with us? Okay, about seven or eight of you. We're working on that. Each week we are taking a chapter. Last week and the week before we did chapter one. Today is chapter two. Next week is going to be chapter three. Each week we're going to dissect a chapter. We're going to process through what that chapter says to us and how we go about applying it to our lives. So I would encourage you, grab your word, grab the Bible, grab your favorite translation, whatever that happens to be, each week and read a chapter. Just one chapter. Perhaps read it once a day, twice a day, whatever you need to do, and really allow that to begin to marinate in your spirit so that when we come in here, we begin to dissect it. You're like, oh, I remember reading that. And we allow God's word to become alive and true in our lives. Well, again, today we are going to jump head first into Romans chapter 2. And here's, here's what I love about Paul. Uh, Paul is not a passive guy. Paul is not a passive-aggressive guy in his approach. When he sees a fault, when he sees a, a failure in somebody's life, he is concerned enough about them to call them out in the moments. Now, we're going to process through what that means in just a moment. But when he calls them out, notice something. He reveals to them a way out. He doesn't just point a religious finger at them and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, or that's not right, or you should be ashamed of yourself. No, no, no. He gives them a way out of the struggle, and he walks alongside them and helps the one reading the words to move to the place of a breakthrough in their lives. Our text this morning is Romans chapter 2, verse 1, and here's what it says. Some of you accuse others of doing wrong. Have you ever been guilty of accusing somebody of doing wrong? Paul says some of you are doing that. Some of you are accusing others of doing wrong. But here's the problem. But there is no excuse for what you do. When you judge others, you condemn yourselves because you are guilty of doing the very same thing. I want you to grasp a hold of this idea of calling out sin this morning. 
Now listen very, very carefully. Godly love is not passively overlooking or even accepting faults and sin, but it's calling out the sin with the goal and the purpose of helping that individual mature and grow in their relationship with God. You see, there is a distinct balance here as we journey through this life with Christ. As Christians, uh, we do not simply judge with the purpose of self-promotion. That's easy to do. It's easy to identify somebody else's fault Why? So that we can enhance ourselves, so that we can feel better about ourselves. Well, I'm not like them. I would never do what they do. I can't believe, Pastor Luke, that you would do that. I would never dream of doing that, right? But we find ourselves doing that very thing, and that's what Paul is getting at here. He says, some of you accuse other people but there's no excuse for what you're doing in your life. When, when you're judging them, really you're condemning yourself because you're guilty of doing the very same thing that they're doing. We can't just judge with the purpose of self-promotion or even self-righteousness, but we must do this with a goal, come on, Did you know it's actually okay to judge with the right heart? The Bible says you will know them by the fruits. In other words, you'll recognize them. In other words, you're taking a moment to discern what's happening in their life so that you have an opportunity to walk side by side with them, to raise up a disciple, to to journey through life with them, to see that error and help them out of that situation. That's real love. Calling them out, calling out the sin of the broken or the lost without Christ and walking with them to a deeper relationship or bringing them to that place of a breakthrough with Christ. Yet at the same time, we must make sure that the life that we're living is one that reflects the life that we desire in those around us. Unfortunately, in our culture, we see two extremes occurring. We have those that are pointing self-righteous fingers at a society with no plan of raising them up or raising up the lost And we have those on the other side that are so inclusive that we accept everything in the name of love and acceptance. Listen carefully. Neither of these is God's plan. Amen. Right? Neither extreme is what God desires. Neither extreme is what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not saying, man, you need to go up and you need to shake that bony finger at them and tell them how disappointed you are at them. No, that's not what he's saying. Paul's not saying, you need to just love everybody and accept every behavior. It's not hurting you, so it's got to be okay. No, that's foolishness. If I knew that what's in a bottle is poison was going to kill you, and I saw you pick up that bottle, 
But I would go, oh, you know what? It's okay. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's not love. Love is saying, stop. Don't do that. That's going to harm you. That's going to hurt you. That's going to kill you. Guess what, folks? Sin leads to death. So we've got to find this, this balance in here. Today what I want to do is I want to look at one side of this dilemma. Because it's really what Paul is dealing with. I want to look at the idea of self-righteousness. It was Chuck Swindoll that calls this the deadliest sin in the world. Why? Because you can find it just about everywhere. Whether you're rich or you're poor, educated or uneducated, Christian or, or not Christian, you can find this attitude of judging others with an I'm better than you mentality. It's a major problem. And Paul points it out to the church of Rome. And he tells them, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. Last week we discovered that there's a choice that we make in life. A choice to either honor God with the lifestyle that we live, or journey down the road of a dishonoring God. Now in chapter 2, Paul addresses a people who are reading his words, and after seeing chapter 1, they're responding with this mindset of, well, that's not me. I would never do that stuff. I'm better than that. Perhaps last Sunday when we were talking about those that are dishonoring God, maybe you checked out in the moment because you thought to yourself, that's not me. I would never do that. I'm better than that. If that's the mindset you had last week, guess what? Today's for you. Welcome to Encounter Church. Paul is speaking directly to our lives, and he's saying there's some issues going on. Truth be told, the, the moral self-righteous person is just as guilty as the immoral person. Let me say that again. The moral self-righteous person is just as guilty as the immoral person. And Paul says, you have no excuse. The key to this section, the key to chapter 2, is found in verse 1. More specifically, it's found in one word. It's the word judge. When you judge others, you condemn yourselves. The word judge does not mean to evaluate it doesn't mean to analyze or discern. It literally means to condemn, to sentence, to pass a verdict. He's not talking about having discernments. He's talking about those that condemn those around them. Now, no, notice there's a huge difference between judging and pointing out sin with the purpose of helping that individual come out of that sin. Huge difference. One just says, you're wrong. 
One puts down, one tears down, one demeans over and over. And the other side says, I understand what you're going through, but let me walk through life with you. Let me help you in this situation. Let me be a fellow Christian. Let me love you. Let me encourage you. Let me sharpen you. Let me help you out of the pit of despair into the life that God has for you. Do we see a difference? One is beneficial, the other is destructive. One pulls an individual closer to God, the other pushes them further away. And I wonder, which are you? Which life are you living? What lifestyle are you presenting to those around you? You see, Paul takes the time to call out this self-righteous attitude by identifying a, a few characteristics or even flaws in their Christ-like personality. And today, that's what I want to do. I want to take the moment here, take the time here to process through a few scriptures in Romans chapter 2 and kind of compare it to our lives today and perhaps bring about a, a breakthrough or a, a change in our personal lives so that we can more so be who God would have us to be so that we can have an impact, a greater impact for the kingdom of God to the lost and broken outside these walls. Okay? All right, so let's do this. Hopefully you have outlines. You grab those on your way in this morning. If not, grab the YouVersion app or our church app. Take really, really good notes. If you're saying, well, I don't need this this morning, guess what? You need this this morning. All right, number one, identifier number one. Three identifiers of a self-righteous life. Number one, we accuse others and excuse ourselves. Come on, anybody relate to that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we accuse others and excuse ourselves. We point out their error, but they, that's not me. Come on, look what Paul says. Verse one, some of you accuse others of doing wrong, but there's no excuse for what you do. When you judge others, you condemn yourselves because you are guilty of doing the very same thing. How often do we find ourselves being unrealistic when it comes to our personal lives? We become guilty of justifying our way out. We justify our faulty behavior. Everyone else is guilty, but I, I'm innocent. I'm not like all of them. I mean, I went to church. I even stayed for both services. What did you do? Oh, you stood in the lobby all during worship and part of the sermon. You barely heard any of it. I would never do that. Oh, come on now. We're getting real up in here. It's someone else's fault. It's not my fault. There's a great word for this. Are you ready for it? Hypocrisy. In other words, we're just inconsistent in our walk. We fall into religious pride. I've got it all together. You don't. We point out the sin with no real plan of 
helping to bring that person out or even to correct the error in our lives. We ignore the flaws and the brokenness in us. And we highlight the sin and the brokenness in those around us. What are some ways that we do this? Well, the first is this. We rename the offense. Oh, are you ready for this? We say things like, well, I don't gossip, Pastor. I'm just sharing a concern. <laughs> Anyone out there ever share a concern? Oh, sometimes we really spiritualize it. I just want you to pray for them because here's what they're doing. How else do we rename the offense? Well, pastor, I'm not critical at all. I'm just discerning. I'm not negative. I'm a realist. I'm not unreliable. I'm just flexible. We point out the sin or the error in other lives, but when it comes to us, I'm just not wrong. It's just my character. It's just the way that I am. Mama was this way. Daddy was this way. Grandpa was this way. It runs in my family. It's just who we are. And we justify our actions. Can I just tell you, sin is sin no, no matter how you dress it. No matter what you call it. How else do we excuse ourselves? We conveniently forget our personal failures. A lot of times, we think there's nothing going on in our lives, but truth be told, we may have just overlooked or, or forgotten that which we've hidden from everybody else. And the Bible says it's vitally important that we take the time to clean out the cobwebs in our closets. See, some of you have been hiding some junk in the closets for a long time. Do you have that room in your, in your house at home that when a guest comes over, you don't let them go in? Some of us do that spiritually. Did you know that? We do that spiritually. When people walk up, we're like, everything's great. I mean, look at this. But if we would open up that door, all that junk begins to fall out. We've got to learn to deal with those issues. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. When's the last time you examined your spiritual walk with God? When's the last time that you sat down and said, Lord, give me the spiritual test right now. Lord, examine my life. Corinthians goes on to say, test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Examine yourselves. Matthew chapter 7 says it this way. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The Bible's not saying that we shouldn't help them. The Bible says deal with your issue, and once you've dealt with your issue, lend a helping hand. 
Over and over and over in the Bible, it tells us to encourage one another, to rebuke one another, to walk with one another. But the problem is, we're just too quick to point, and we never lend the hand. We've got to take time to deal with the log in our eye before we can ever reach out to help. Number three, we compromise with our actions. We rename the offense. We conveniently forget all of our personal failures, and now we compromise with our actions. Have you ever convinced yourself that everything is okay because you're spiritually strong enough? You know what? It's not going to hurt me to do this. I've got the spiritual backbone. I'm strong enough to deal with this issue. I'm strong enough to walk past this. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In other words, there's no defense mechanism. We let anything and everything in. If we don't have this self-control, if we haven't gotten a hold of that issue in our life, if we haven't surrendered it to God, then the walls around our spiritual city are broken down and the enemy attacks on every side and we have no defense. Understand this. Compromise is sin. The Bible is very clear that it's a sin to know what you ought to do and, and then not do it. It's giving the enemy an opportunity in your life. It's an attempt to play both sides of the field. It's not the life that God's called you to live. I shared with you a few weeks ago, Jesus himself said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. You can't be lukewarm. Why? Because lukewarm, we really don't know whether it's hot or it's cold. It's somewhere in between, and it's hard to, to figure out where you stand. Are, are you on this side of the fence or, or this side of the fence? I'm not really sure. You're kind of somewhere in the middle, and that doesn't really work. And Jesus said, if you're living that kind of life, I'm going to spew you out. I can't really stomach you. And Paul's talking to church in Rome. Some Christ followers. He says, guys, listen carefully. You can't play the field. You've got to make a choice. What kind of life are you going to live? You've got to learn to be consistent. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Our title is Breakthrough, Live by Faith, Advance with Grace. If we're going to advance with grace, should we just keep on sinning because we want to advance with more and more of God's grace? Oh, the more that I sin, the more of God's grace I have, the more of I sin, the more of God's grace, the more that I sin, the more of God's grace. No, that's foolishness. Paul says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his grace? Of course not. Look at your neighbor say, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You see, the, the Bible says that the moment we give our lives to Christ, we're a new creation. 
So this rebuttal that we give, well, that's just who I am. That's just in my nature. It's the way my family has always been. If you're a new creation in Christ, guess what? You're grafted into a new family. Are you catching that this morning? That old behavior, that old lifestyle? I mean, I remember a previous church that I was on staff. There was a, a guy that did all the maintenance for the church, and man, he was a, the coolest guy. Just very calm, very down to earth, super nice guy. And I was talking to him one day, and he said, Yeah, before I came to Jesus, man, I was a real jerk. And I was like, Joe? He's like, Man, God changed me. What happened? What was the change? A new creation, a new nature, a new behavior took over his life. Some of you need to resign from that old lifestyle. You're still holding on to it. You're still toying with it. You're still accepting it as part of who you are. Either you're changed or you're not. Right? You guys are kind of quiet. Identifier number one, we accuse others and we excuse ourselves. And the second one that Paul points out in, in verse two is this, we justify our lives because of others' faults. Well, come on. We justify our lives because of others' faults. Look at this in verse three. He says, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing. For some reason, we have this mindset that we earn extra points by pointing out the flaws of somebody else, that, that we get bonus points in the kingdom of God for ratting someone else. But the Bible encourages us to deal with our flaws that we don't get bonus points for pointing out someone else's flaws. But it's our duty, it's our responsibility as a Christian to lend a hand of help to those that are lost. To lend a hand of encouragement to those that are broken. To walk side by side with those that have gone down the road path, the wrong path. The problem is, many times, we don't see where, we are, where we're at fault, but we only see where other people are at fault. We have these blind spots, these weaknesses that we, for some reason, don't see, and therefore, we tend to judge others from our weakness. Someone once said this, we hate our own faults, especially when we see them in others. Can you relate to that today? We hate our faults, especially when we see them in others, when we see them in somebody else. We think by judging someone else, we're somehow put on a better position, a higher standard, that we're promoted to a brand new level, and therefore we can escape the judgment because we pointed out their error. But here's what I've discovered. God doesn't grade on a curve. confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. 
He doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't say, you know what? You don't need to confess your sin. You can keep doing what you want because you ratted them out. And because you ratted them out, I'm going to give you some bonus points. And suddenly the curve goes your direction. We say it again. Sin is still sin, no matter how you dress it up. Paul says, don't think that by pointing out other people's sins that you're off the hook. Look what it says in Romans chapter 2. For merely listening to the law doesn't make you right with God. Let me pause. We could say, just by coming in on a Sunday morning and listening to a sermon doesn't make you right with God. Just for pausing for a moment on Facebook or YouTube and watching an online service doesn't make you right with God. Can I be completely transparent with you? You can come to church every single Sunday. You can even come on Wednesday night. You can come during the week and volunteer. You can be here more than any of the staff, and you can still go to hell. Right? See, it has nothing to do with hanging out here. It has everything to do with who's in here. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you given yourself completely to him? For merely listening to the law doesn't make you right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. In other words, it's saying, Lord, I want to be so much like you, Lord, that I desire to follow your plan, to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. Lord, to love you so much that every step that I take, every word that I say, every thought that I have, Every intention that wells up within me, Lord, is going to fall in line with you. God, that's my heart's desire. He's not saying that you're going to follow all of the mitzvah, the 600 and some odd rules and regulations and the laws that the Jewish people had, had come up with that they could do and couldn't do. He said, are you going to surrender it so much to God that you long for your life to resemble him? Peter says it this way in 2 Peter. He says it would be better, it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. It would be better that you didn't know it at all than to know the word of God and to reject it and push it away. We talked about it last week. It's one or the other. It's either accept Jesus or reject Jesus. There's nothing in between. What's it going to be in your life? See, we've got to stop justifying our behaviors because of someone else's faults. We've got to say, Lord, here I am, the good, the bad, the ugly. Right now, God, here I am. I give myself to you. I surrender myself to you. God, I give you it all. And Lord, what I desire in return is more of you, less of me and more of you. Because if I'm honest with you, we can't do it by ourselves. 
we're not strong enough emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever. We're not strong enough. We'll stumble by ourselves. More of him, less of us. Look at our third identifier. We fail to properly represent Jesus. You see, this we're talking about living a, a self-righteous life. And, and Paul says, man, when you fail to really represent Jesus, you're missing the mark. You're missing the points. Verse 4, he says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Pause for a moment. I want you to look back at your week. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Can we see that scripture on the screen real quick? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Romans chapter 2, verse 4. I'm convinced that we don't fully understand the purpose of God's goodness and God's kindness. Paul says it's to turn us away from a lifestyle of sin and turn us closer to him. The purpose of God's blessing on your life is to motivate you to change. Right? The purpose of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary is to motivate you to a life of change. The purpose of what Jesus demonstrated as he walked this earth for 33 and a half years is to motivate you to a life of change. It's to turn us from our sin. Now, now grab a hold of this. The way to bring people to Christ, listen carefully, is not by tearing them down it's not by telling them how bad they are. It's by holding them up and showing them what they can be. Right? It's not by shaking our finger at them and saying, you're a terrible person. But man, the church is really good at doing that. Even to our own. Oh, you made a mistake. and we kick our wounded. How foolish that is. What should we do? Man, you made a mistake. There's repercussions for mistakes. But I want to walk with you. I want to help you in this journey. I want to help you become what God has called you to be. Look what it says in Romans chapter 2. Beginning in verse 17, it says, You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law. You boast about your spiritual relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught the law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. 
You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Wow, that just got real. I, I can imagine, and think back with me for a moment, here you are, you're the church of Rome, and someone just runs in the door, we've got a letter from Paul! And everybody's like, woohoo! Some people are like, I don't know who he is. Well, let's read it. Starts reading this, and they're like, man, that is awesome. Man, we're following after God. We've got the plan. We're the light. We're the hope. And then he says, why don't you teach yourselves? You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but you commit adultery. You commend idolatry, but you use items stolen from pagan temples. You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. No wonder people are saying that those outside the walls are running away from the church because of you. Never allow a self-righteous lifestyle, listen carefully, never allow a self-righteous lifestyle to become someone else's excuse for rejecting a relationship with Christ. can't tell you how many people I've heard over the years talking to them about a relationship with Christ and, and church, and do they go anywhere, and they say this, yeah, I used to go to church, but I was... I was hurt by a Christian. I was hurt by the church. My heart sinks. How do you come back from that? I apologize on behalf of every church. Man, we got to be better than that. Either we represent Christ or we don't. Now that you've seen this lifestyle of servanthood and, and reaching out to the broken and reaching out to those around you, go and do that. Lend a helping hand to those that are lost. Be that source of strength for those that are weak. Partner with those around you. You see, it's making an investment into the lost. Now, notice, I use the word investment. Investment brings along the idea of making an investment with the purpose of seeing gain or increase. As we make that investment in those around us, it's with the goal of seeing a gain, not personally, but a gain in their life, an increase in their life. It's to have that sort of desire for those around you. It's taking the time not to condemn someone or tear them down, but to lend a, an outstretched hand and bring them to that place of breakthrough. There are those of you that are here today, you can think back to that person in your life 
that helped bring you to where you are. One of mine was a guy by the name of Bob. Bob was a Royal Ranger leader. Some of you know what Royal Rangers are, some of you may not. But it's like the Assemblies of God version of Boy Scouts. I know you can't picture me going and hanging out in a tent. But there was a day that I did. But I was with Bob, and Bob was always investing in my life. He's the, the one that would take me to play tennis after church on a Wednesday evening or a Sunday evening. He's the one that on Sunday afternoons we would find a cliff in town and tie a rope at the top, and we'd go rappelling off that cliff. We'd go grab pie at the local pie shop after church and just, just hang out. Bob chose to invest in me. Why? He wanted to see a gain or an increase in my walk with Christ. I want to encourage you, be that in someone else's life. Be that person that, that brings about that increase in someone else. Perhaps you'll need to make an adjustment. Perhaps right now the path that you're walking down is is one of self-righteousness. You're real quick to point out the error with no means of solution. Perhaps God wants to do a change in your life so you can be who he's called you to be. To come to that place personally of a breakthrough with Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?